sit down, I'll listen, wait, relax my dudes, it's not too late to join in with these awesome fans, marble at there. Some chips and OC fix and mean to meet the best girl queen, a hydrant squad that just won't wait to ignore all the toxic shit. It's a podcast. It's also a gun. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Geekening Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Leah, and today I'm joined by the author of Nowhere Near Goodbye, Barbara Connery. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for joining us, Barbara. So tell us a bit about Nowhere Near Goodbye. As far as I know, it was released a year ago. That's true. I released during the pandemic. It released in August, and was a little disappointing, but that turned out to be okay because thanks to Zoom, I managed to attend all kinds of gatherings for my book and talk to people all over the world, actually. So that was the good part of that, as opposed to being able to meet with people in person. And um, it's done quite well. It's a USA Today bestseller, and I'm very proud of that. So uh, it's been a, a fun and interesting ride. And I noticed that one of the characters is actually a best-selling author as well. Yes! <laughs> what made you create a best-selling you, author as a character? Yeah, if you ever noticed, a lot of authors do that. And I love when they do. I love when they make a writer, a character as a writer, because I think that's just so much fun, because... Of course, writing books, we know the behind the scenes part of it, and it kind of makes it fun to create a character who is like us. Although in this case, Tim is male, and he's a much bigger best-selling author than I am. So would you say that Tim is your favorite character? Uh, actually, my favorite character is a secondary character named Miss Maggie. And in this book, she's older and she's a friend of the family of Emma's, who is the um, pediatric oncologist who discovers a cure for glioblastoma. And I fell in love with Miss Maggie. She's this little Italian lady and she basically says what she thinks. And I especially like that about her. So when I got to thinking about my second book, I decided that I needed to write about Miss Maggie. So my second book is actually a prequel to Nowhere Near Goodbye. It's called um, My Secret to Keep, and it'll be released um, the end of next year or early 2023. And it basically is Miss Maggie's story and how um, she and Emma connected. So let's go back in time a little bit. Okay. What made you think of writing Nowhere Near Goodbye? 
Okay. Um, years ago, before I had ever written a book, I have a friend who lost a loved one to glioblastoma. And this is going back maybe 20 years. And I had never even heard of the brain tumor before. And my friend was just devastated. And of course, there's no cure. Her loved one died. And I watched my friend just age so quickly. And it made me so angry because once I found out about this, I started doing some research and everywhere you look, they say that glioblastoma is very rare. And in my head, it isn't because I've known myself, I've known four people who have died from glioblastoma since the first death that my friend encountered. So I was angry and I wanted to do something to create procedure that would cure disease, even though in reality, there is no cure. I, my book, I created a cure and that's what Emma did her research on. And I just, that was the impetus that got me moving. And that was the story behind my first book. It's definitely a touching story. And I'm sorry you had to go through that. But like they say, no pain, no gain. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. What has been your reader's reaction to the book? Actually, I've been so blessed with the reaction to my book. It's been mostly favorable, very favorable. People have loved it. People have read it in one sitting. People have written me emails and letters and telling me how much they loved it. And one of the things I was worried about was my research that it wouldn't, that I would make a mistake in my research. And I've had both doctors and nurses tell me that as much as I took the research uh, or as far as I took it, I was very accurate. And that made me feel a lot better because I spent a lot of time researching. So I would say uh, my readers generally, mostly, they've loved the book. I've had, obviously, as everyone does, I've had a couple of writers who, or a couple of readers who have not been happy. Mostly they were not happy with Emma, who is the doctor, because she made sacrifices that some of my readers just could not understand. And because when readers become so involved in a story, they take that character and make them so real and makes the story so personal that they didn't like her. And so because she was the main character, then they didn't like the book. But mostly they loved it. So I've, I've been very pleased with it. Writing about a chronic illness it's not an easy mm -hmm. task. How did you manage to do it? I'm a very determined person. I, I, I picked my subject and I started with research and I wove the story through it. And I 
pretty much knew where the story would end and how it would end even before I started writing. It's not a story that's tied up nice and neat with a pink little bow, but I think it's realistic. Even though it's fiction, I, I wanted to end the book, yes, on a note of hope, but not with happily ever after. And I think I achieved that. And I think my readers appreciated that. Why not a happily ever after? Why not? Because I'm not a happily ever after reader. I'm a give me a reality ending. I like books that end in a very natural. I mean, there are stories that would naturally end with happily ever after. But this is not such a story. And if a story doesn't lend itself to happily ever after, then I want it to be as honest as it can be. And I appreciate when an author does that. That's the kind of ending for specific types of books that I appreciate. Speaking of a process of writing the book, tell us a bit about your writing rituals. Okay, I'm a morning writer. I get up early, as in early, it's four o'clock in the morning when I get up. And after I meditate and exercise, I'm usually at my computer by seven and I work till noon. And then my brain is just fried and I don't write anymore for the day. I do other things that have to do with writing sometimes, social media and other obligations I have. And I do those in the afternoon, but I'm a morning person. I'm a morning writer. Are you reading anything right now? Yes, I am reading The Guest House by Sarah Blake. And I just finished reading oh, a lovely book by a, a new author. It's called Face Down in Rising Sun by K.D. Alba, I think it came out in 2020, the same year as my book. It's fiction, but it's based on a real life situation where a young woman falls in love with a man who is not a nice man and she loses everything because of that love. And it was a beautifully told story giving tribute to both the victim and her family. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's a really good book, and I would recommend it to anyone. And what's your favorite book of all time? My favorite, favorite book is called Peace Like a River by Leif Anger. And it is several years old. I'm not sure exactly how old, but it is a beautifully told story of a boy with who is born with a breathing condition. They don't really specify in the story what it is, whether it's asthma or something else, but it has some religious connotations to it, some magical leanings in it. And, and it's just beautifully told by this boy and his family. And I just fell in love with it. And it is my all-time favorite book. What advice would you give yourself as a writer and aspiring writers? The advice I give myself every single day is anything that doesn't sound good or read well today, 
you look at it again tomorrow and you will make it better. And that is exactly what I do. To aspiring writers, I say, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Ask for help. Read. Um, take craft classes. Join a writing organization. I belong to one, which is fabulous. And the biggest thing is just to not give up because it's hard. It's hard to put yourself out there. Writing is very personal. It's something that you create without brick and mortar. And, and it's just all comes from your heart and your head. And, and obviously, it's an extremely personal thing. And when you try to get an agent or a publisher and your book keeps getting turned down, you need to have faith and you need to not give up. That's my advice. Is the process of getting an agent that difficult? It can be, yes. It can be very difficult. There are writers who have queried hundreds of agents until they got one. I'm very fortunate. I have an agent and I love her. I'm with the Liza Royce agency in New York. And it, it, it can be very difficult. There are publishers who don't require your book come through an agent but the majority of them do, uh, especially big publishers. And I'm with a small press, and I've been very, very happy with them, very fortunate to have them, and that's Red Adept Press. And uh, it's, it depends on what you want and what you're looking for, and, but it can be hard. It can be very hard. Even going through a small press and not having an agent, which is how I initially sold my book, my first book, they're very selective. And a lot of, you know, a lot of publishers are, they're very, very selective because they're going to put money into your book. They want to make sure it sells. I just graduated college and I remember my fiction writing professor, I was a writing minor. So I remember my fiction writing professor showed us in class a ton of screenshots of rejection emails he got from agents and publishers. And he was like, this is what I had to go through to get my first book published. Yes, it's, it's very hard. It, it can be very um, disillusioning. I did something that I would not recommend to anybody. When I published my first book, I sent my manuscript to one publisher, and that was to Reddit Adept. And I didn't even consider sending it to anyone else because they were who I wanted. I, I knew that they had a good editorial program. I knew they could create a beautiful book with me. And I was very fortunate that they accepted me. But I would not recommend doing that. That's putting all your eggs in one basket. And that's, that's not a good thing to do. But that's what I did. So I can't speak highly enough about them. As a female writer, do you think that mm -hmm. we need more representation of women in the literature world? I think there needs to be more female representation in literary works as opposed to women's fiction and book club fiction. I think what there really needs to be is more representation across 
all races and to make things equal, to make things fair, to give people that don't have as many opportunities to give them that opportunity. Because the genre of your book isn't a genre that I've seen many female writers delve into. Well, my book is featured as both women's fiction and book club fiction. So I'm not sure what you're seeing it as. But that's, that's basically what my book is, is women's fiction and book club fiction. I saw it as more of, I don't know, just plain fiction. Okay. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. I guess it depends on how you look at it and women's fiction. And actually, I like the way you're looking at it because women's fiction, I find to be almost off-putting. Like we don't have a genre called men's fiction. We have fiction. We have literary fiction. We have women's fiction. We have book fiction. We have suspense, mystery, science fiction, all of these different things. But I find personally the term women's fiction to be off-putting. So I actually like what you're saying, that you consider it strictly fiction. To me, that's a compliment. So thank you. You're welcome. What's your favorite genre, Ben? My favorite genre is literary fiction, which is where I would put Peace Like a River, The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell, Robert Dugoni's, all of his books, John Boyne's books. Those are the types, and you notice they're all men. And I think, and I could be wrong, but it seems to me that literary fiction seems to be a man's world. And, and, and again, it depends on how you look at the definition of literary fiction versus what's looked at as women's fiction or even just fiction, because Literary fiction is actually more telling than showing, and in regular fiction and women's fiction, it's show, don't tell. It's almost got a formula to it in terms of someone is, uh, your main character is has got some sort of a problem that occurred at some part in their life, and it's affecting their future and um, their present and their future, and then something comes up, something happens, and they begin to see where they've gone wrong, and they begin to find their way to be better, a better person. And so that's almost formulaic. Whereas literary fiction is just, to me, more of a beautifully told story that I just literally fall in love with. And of course, I'm sure there are people who disagree with me. I mean, it's a, a very subjective field where we put all these genres and, and what they and where they fall. So I'm sure people, if, and if whoever's listening could say, oh, no, that's not what literary fiction is. But maybe it's what we want it to be. But I find the books that I love most are written primarily by men. Alice Hoffman, she can she writes beautiful literary fiction, but she's a giant. Jodi Picoult, I think, has turned from women's fiction and book club fiction to literary fiction. 
so I think it can be done. I, I think, um, you know, just like there are romance writers who have turned to become historical fiction writers. It's like you can change your path as you grow. So it, it's a wide field and, uh, and it um, entices a lot of discussion when, when, especially when writers start talking about genres and what they mean. So does that mean that you want to delve into literary fiction in the future? I think so. I haven't yet. I'm, um, my second book is still women's fiction. My third book will also be women's fiction, although it's making an interesting turn because there are two main characters and one of them is a man. And that's not generally done in women's fiction, but I, I come up with the characters mostly before I come up with the story. And I came up with this character that happened to be male. And I really like the idea of making this, creating this flawed male and throughout the story, having him see a better way. So it will be an interesting foray into how that works out for me. Finally, what are your favorite and least favorite tropes in fiction? I am not big on magical realism or science fiction. However, I have read some mainly because writer friends of mine have written those genres. And in my effort to support them, I've read their books and I've actually loved them. So although there was a time when I would say that I wouldn't read science fiction or I wouldn't read magical realism, I've recently read both and loved both. So I think probably the only thing I would not read, and I don't want to offend anyone, but it's just my own personal thing, it would be erotica. I think that would be something that I'm totally just not interested in. Where can our listeners find your book? Okay, my books are sold everywhere online, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Kobo, Apple. I'm also in several bookstores, local small independent bookstores. I'm on bookshop.org. So I can be found anywhere. Barbara, it was fun having you on the Geekening Podcast. So thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so glad we finally connected. Same here. And to our listeners, if you want to listen to more compelling podcasts, right. you can check out allagesofgeek.com. But for now, we're signing off.